0: Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach, Ellie Swift, here to help you connect with your clients, create life-changing results in your online business, and shine neon bright online. I built a multi six-figure business in under two years, and more importantly, have supported my clients to get amazing results. My clients have generated five- and six-figure launches, tripled their income, and completely transformed their lives using my signature framework, the Swift Marketing Method. In this podcast, I take you a layer deeper into my business, my life, and my mind. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, hi! I'm so excited. I know I always start by saying I'm so excited, but it's because I am. (laughs) I'm so excited to introduce you to my incredible guest today, Kate Scudder. Kate is a high school teacher turned Forbes featured seven figure business coach for women entrepreneurs. She's on an unstoppable mission to support ambitious female entrepreneurs scale profitable purpose-driven businesses that change the world. I met Kate online about a year or so ago, connecting through a mutual appreciation for the woman who coaches us both. Lacey Sites, who you will hear us reference in this episode. And I knew pretty quickly that Kate was my kind of woman. Something I've really loved witnessing through social media over the past 12 months is Kate becoming a mama to her beautiful baby girl, Ella. And while I'm not yet in the season of life of being a mama myself, I'm so passionate about supporting my clients through this season and have had the privilege of doing so with many of my clients, helping them guide their businesses through pregnancy, maternity leave, and postpartum. Kate is an incredible expander for mama entrepreneurs. In fact, her business skyrocketed during her pregnancy and since having Ella. In this episode, I asked Kate all the juicy questions about how she shifted, pivoted, evolved, and navigated being the CEO of her business during such a special time in her life. For all my mamas that listen in or anyone who desires to become a mama, this one is for you. I hope you love this episode. I have freaking loved watching your journey from pre Ella to running your business with Ella, who is now eight months old, nine months, 11, old? Eleven. 11. Oh my oh gosh. gosh. I know <laughs> it, it's no,
1: it's, I like can't keep up with it either. I was watching her today. She's like doing, she's not walking yet, but I swear it's going to be in like a week. She's doing this hovering thing. And I'm like, where did my baby go? I feel like I nearly have a toddler now. It's so wild that is insane she
0: is so freaking cute can I just Thank say you. like the you can most say <laughs> you're like please say it. its yes. yeah. <laughs> she's, so so, she's so so cute and oh, so yes, yeah so witness like witnessing this journey has been so epic to watch and like I was just saying to you beforehand so many of my clients navigate this and I'm sure so many of yours as well you know we're starting businesses maybe maybe we're early stages maybe we're a few years in when this time comes, if it's something that we're choosing for ourselves. And it's always so beautiful to witness how obviously each client navigates it so differently. And so I really wanted to hear your story of how you navigated that process. So let's start from the top pre Ella, you're running your business. Like, did you set your business up for a baby to come into the mix?
1: It's such a great question, Ellie. The honest answer is no. I feel like I'm like that real audio. It's a really solid question. Uh, (laughs) The answer is no, but that is the answer. It's really funny. I feel like the evolution of my business growth, this journey of transitioning it all while transitioning into motherhood, it's kind of like you know I remember when my parents saying growing up like you just figure it out as you go and that has been so my experience not only with motherhood but with mama entrepreneurhood like I I really didn't I I remember actually Ellie crying. So I told Lacey basically like at the same time that I told my mom, I like messaged Lacey in Basecamp, And then I think like texted my mom. And I remember really super early on, I'm talking like within a week of, you know, peeing on a stick and getting that double line, crying my eyes out to Lacey and being like, I built the wrong business. I haven't baby proofed it I don't know what I'm doing. Like I I had so much anxiety around feeling like I had not prepared my business for having a baby. I was like, I'm on way too many calls. Like I'm never going to be able to do both. And she, you know, as she does, love you, Lace, like talked me off (laughs) the ledge and was just like, is there really actually a problem here? Like I get that this is overwhelming and this feels new and da-da-da. But you're going to figure this out. And so the answer is not really like I had, um, I think one thing that I definitely had to my advantage and I do work with a lot of moms. I work with women who want to become moms. I work with moms who want to become entrepreneurs or are at the earlier stage. And I will say that the one thing that I definitely had going for me was like solid audience, solid offers, From that perspective, I was really set up to make a transition with my baby, which at the time, interestingly, I didn't see at all. I just saw, I don't have like hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in every year from passive products. And I'm doing that in air quotes because I know you guys can't see this because it's a podcast that I really had this super strong narrative that that was a big, like glaring, lacking hole in my business model. And we can get to that obviously, but there wasn't really a problem. So I had an established business and that really supported me. I've seen, and I've supported moms who build it all after the fact with, you know, multiple kids running around the house, it absolutely can be done. But that's the one thing that I really did have going for me is I had an audience, I had offers that were working and scaling but the huge mindset block of like, I've done it all wrong was really big for me when I first found out that I was pregnant.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sure you've seen this too, but it's such an example of like massive change comes in. Let's just find the thing that our fear voice can grip onto. Like what's the story our fear voice can create when this huge change is essentially catapulted towards us. And so I think that's really interesting because ultimately it could be any version of, I don't really have the right model or I don't know how I'm going to do both or whatever it is. And so I can so hear how all those stories were, were flying your way. You found out you were pregnant and then from there, how did you move through that? Did you create changes? You said you were on a lot of calls. Like what was the process from there of, of starting to shift things? Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, first and foremost, I think, I mean, I am just such an advocate of this, obviously being a coach myself, but having support in my corner, i found it was really interesting aside from the very 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 end of pregnancy both like the waiting game from like weeks 38 to 40 almost two for me because ella was two weeks past her due date and then obviously labor and delivery itself the hardest part of pregnancy for me was the first trimester i didn't like actually get physically sick i felt physically sick constantly. Um, and I had very, very low energy. I didn't like actually get sick, like vomit a lot, but, um, I was really super tired, which actually really scared me. Um, because I, as you probably know, LA just from like being connected online, I'm a very high energy person. At the time I was all like team, definitely not in the 5.00 AM club, but in like the 6 45.00 AM club, <laughs> And waking up with, you know, a lemon water and a 5k run and a Beyonce soundtrack. And like, your girl was not doing that. Your girl was in fetal position on the couch, like feeling at any given moment, like I was going to chuck my brains out, but never did. And it just was like, it was really freaky because I could, it was the beginning of starting to feel my identity shift and my body being like, no, you can just rest because you're actually doing so much work right now that you just need to slow down. And so that part was really challenging. But what I was going to say that what helped me move through it is uh, support, having mentors, girlfriends, like Toby has been amazing and was amazing from the very first second that we found out we were pregnant, but having a really close support network to process it all with was really made it possible because in in my experience, we decided to wait until like the 13th week, which was the recommendation of our doctor, because anything can happen in that first little bit. I think for number two, when that happens, I will, uh, we'll see, I may decide to wait again, but I found in hindsight, I'm looking back at that and how isolated I felt like I felt super tired, but I wasn't explaining that to any, like, I didn't have a reason, external reason for that. So that felt super challenging. But the, you know, the adjustments that I made were really just giving myself permission to go slower, giving myself permission to rest, giving myself permission to really minimize and strip back anything that was not essential and did not require my time and like trust and lean on my team more Um, and it's interesting even like these questions it's making me think maybe my business was actually way better set up for a baby than i'm even giving it credit for right now because my team was awesome and they took a ton off my plate and that was actually our first multiple six-figure quarter was q1 of 2020. And that was first trimester. I wasn't working around the clock. I had to rest more than ever before. And I think just giving myself permission to really strip back all the non-essentials, like there's nothing like pregnancy to do that for you.
0: It's really I, I just want to touch on something you said there around like that isolation of the first trimester. I've got a girlfriend of mine who is in the online space and she has chosen for her second pregnancy to share earlier than 13 weeks right now. And similar reasons to what you shared, she's like, I I really just want to kind of create this conversation around we're all here for one another and we don't need to be afraid. And in talking about it, it almost gives us that permission to really honour our body and honour where we're at. And it's just been so interesting to watch her do that. And I really do think that we're going to see more women make different choices around that first Mm. trimester. So it's really interesting hearing you talk to that as well. And perhaps that you might make a a different choice there because, and, you know, hats off to every woman doing it her way because Mm -hmm. there's no one right way. I don't believe it's more just knowing you have the choice to, to tell the story when you want to with that first trimester then and feeling tired did you have to cancel calls like in terms of the practicalities of that just take us into that for a moment <sighs>
1: Oh girl how deep do you want to go we were talking <laughs> about this before we hit record so I made many adjustments. I did cancel calls first time in my life. I paused calls in the middle to, like I said, I didn't like throw up a lot, but I did like, for me, I like had to shit all the time and I had to pee all the time. I literally stopped a client call once to poop in the middle of the call. I did not tell her that. And I will not say which client that was in case she's listening right now yeah. I had to do that. And things that I just never thought I would have to do, you know, never would cancel a call at the last minute, never would like get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of, a, in the middle of a call. I started on some eating on calls, which I never d- did, but I had like a box of saltine crackers, not because I was starving, but because I needed to like, it just really calmed my nausea. And again, I had so many stories of like, this is unprofessional, this is wrong. And It's so interesting because I'm like, run your business your way, you know, but for myself, I had all of these standards of that's not allowed, but trimester one was really like the beginning of this unraveling of rules that I was even placing on myself that didn't serve. And it felt actually really beautiful to give myself permission to just honor my body. There's something, even before the baby arrives, there is something so powerfully maternal that kicks in. That's like, this is bigger than my embarrassment that I have to do this right now, or this is bigger. Like I need to take care of my body because taking my care of my body is taking care of my baby. And so I canceled calls. I moved calls. I was way more like lenient with myself on calls. I left in the middle of calls like, and everything worked out and no no clients left and complained and nothing, you know, the fears that we have or that I had anyway, none of it was real.
0: Yeah. I think that's so freaking permission giving that you just shared that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to meet you in like embarrassing story of something that I've had, <laughs> obviously like no names there was this one woman who once told me she's a peer in our industry. She once told me that during her pregnancy, she needed to wee so much that she started wearing adult nappies to client calls. Oh my and God, that's I so was funny. like, that is so smart. So smart. So, so smart. smart. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was I like, love do you know that. what you got to do? She's like, I run long group calls and I just started wearing adult nappies. That's oh great. my god, I love that! And also, I'm like
1: actually jotting that down, like <laughs> note to self: that I'm going to be using that.
0: I love that. I, I bet everyone listening right now didn't expect that. That was the tip that was. Yeah,
1: it's the so, biggest takeaway of the day. If you're <laughs> pregnant, trimester one, get some, get some
0: depends. That's so good, <laughs> trimester one survival time. So yeah. fair to say. Oh yeah, for sure trimester two onwards, I'd love to know then what the preparation period looked like for Ella's arrival. So did you then go, okay, I actually do need to shift some things in the business. Did you change nothing in terms of the model? What did you put in place to prepare yourself essentially for for Ella coming into the world?
1: Realistically, Ellie, like trimester two was crazy we were living in West Hollywood in LA at the time. And just as my nausea and all those symptoms from trimester one, and I was entering into that, you know, like stereotypical pregnancy glow trimester two, like ready to get out from under a blanket on the couch and like embrace the world and start to meet community. And go to events and really plug into the LA scene because we only moved to Los Angeles in like the 18th or something of December. And we got pregnant on the 1st of January. And so all of first trimester was like the first quarter and then COVID hit. And so it was really super challenging. I like feel a little tearful even talking about this. Like we spent, we did so many walks through like the suburbs of Beverly Hills because even like the nature trails were closed down. It was a really isolating period. And in some ways it was super beautiful because Toby and I got to spend so much beautiful time together. We'd spent, you know, all of our weekends in, You know, the first trimester going to like Ikea, which was not ideal when you're super nauseous, but like going to, you know, furniture shops and getting just the house super cozy. So we were really set up when lockdown hit, but there was no community, you know, my family's back here on the East coast in Maine. We had some family on his side that was there that ended up leaving to go to Lake Arrowhead, like a country town, a couple hours outside of LA. So we were just alone in our house and it was, it was super hard. And I think for any mama who is listening to this or just, I know you guys in Australia right now are in lockdown. I just feel so much for all mamas, especially first time mamas in that position because it's, it's so challenging. All the things you thought you were going to be doing—meeting, you know, future parents in that in the same like age range, um, going to classes—everything is done via Zoom. You're not meeting up at the park. Like, it's just hard. And so, anything I was doing in my business was was also. I just want to like give the context of what else was going on in our lives. And at the very end of the second trimester, we actually decided to pack everything up unwind the move. So it felt like a really big, like personal life failure that the move to LA kind of flopped and not because of anything we did. And we knew that, but it just, it was heartbreaking really. We really wanted to make that work, but we decided to make the call to move back to Maine. And just, I intuitively felt that was the right thing to do. And Toby did as well, but I am so glad that we did because it's just been amazing to be here and have the supportive family. And the transitions in the business a couple i did a couple things the first is that I brought in support coaches for the first time in my group programs, So I wasn't the only person facilitating and leading the programs that I had up until that point. I'd been running everything that was really big. Um, I also, you know, by just necessity, basic economic supply and demand raised my rates for a lot of programs and had, you know, my, my signature lower level offerings available but it wasn't my time and so i was building in more scalability i was also building in more passive income because while those offers i still did so like over a 12-week period i would do six so bi-weekly just hour long on facebook live q a's i wasn't hosting zoom calls anymore so even though it was a live program they were getting weekly live support from our support coach all the pre-recorded curricula from myself I was only showing up for six hours live and so it basically transitioned weekly live programs into a passive product so that was like one strategic shift that i made that really served us and then the other really big one that helped so much along with i guess so i guess the third second being raising rates the third was pre-planning in advance around maternity leave so My due date was, I think the 23rd or something of September, no, 28th of September. And Ella was born on the 11th of October. Side note, get a freaking hobby for the end of your pregnancy because the waiting game is so hard, especially for control freaks like me. I did everything in the book. I had more sex than in my whole pregnancy in that. I was like, can we go again? Can we go again? Like, let's get this baby out, walked and waddled all over the beach, Black and blue co host, like I took all we made this spicy eggplant dish that people swear will make you go into labor. Like we did everything. And Ella was wow. just like, I'm not ready yet. But anyway, so the, the time frame was really interesting because my signature year-long mastermind, the rise mastermind, was gonna be starting in January, but I knew that I wasn't gonna be I was going to be on maternity leave and or giving birth to a baby. Like I didn't have time to plan that. So what I did is I pulled and I'm doing this again, literally right now, it's the beginning of September. We're already pre-selling for this mastermind that starts in January, but I pulled our launch. Like, and again, just permission to do it your own way, write the rules, do it in a way that feels good. I pulled like this waitlist period four and a half months in advance and Ellie, like we had, I mean, they say a baby brings a loaf of bread. Ella brought like the entire fucking French bakery. She, we had a $512,000 launch. I think the last month sales before she arrived was like a $300,000 month. It was insane. That just really took so much pressure off of needing to come back straight away from maternity leave, needing to set up you know, really scramble and go back into launch. I staged the launch in such a way and timed it in such a way that we had that stacked monthly recurring revenue from the time that I got back. And that, I mean, I just am so deeply grateful for the way that that all worked out because it really set us up for just a smooth transition back.
0: So good. It makes so much sense that you do that because I'm sure the last thing you want to do coming back from Matt leave is be like, okay, the way for me to get back to those income months is to do another launch straight away. Like totally. And the, also the last thing is like, the last thing you want to do is
1: have to do that kind of like executive functioning mental work. Mm -hmm. Like I could show up to calls and coach, but like I didn't have, yeah, I just had to show up. And sometimes I did that nursing Ella, literally sometimes Toby would bring her in. Oh, I'm just like, so tender thinking about that. Like just the the trying to get breastfeeding, right. And like those, yeah, it's just, you just morph everything, but to be able to like plan the strategic components of a launch, like, no, do that while you're pregnant, not while you're like in a mom in postpartum haze, just like healing your body and figuring out how to feed your child and yourself and like, stay alive.
0: I think that's such good advice. And I've got one particular client that's coming to mind right now where we're doing a similar thing during her pregnancy. And I love what you said around the permission to do it your way. So going, we can absolutely launch this thing four months in advance, or, you know, in her case, we're putting, we're putting essentially a gap in like some of the delivery of her program. And mm-hmm. it was really cool. And we were starting to talk about how that's going to work because we were like, actually, this is a really cool setup and it's really going to benefit your clients. And so playing with all those things where it's like, how can we make this work? And I love that. That's the theme of everything that you've shared that I'm getting so strongly and is so inspiring. It's like permission to do it your way Mm. and trusting that it's going to work when you do it that way.
1: Yes. I love that so much. And I love hearing that example with your client. And the other thing that I want to share to that, it's like, Yes, permission to do it your way, but also recognizing that not only is it all going to work out for you, but it is actually of extraordinary service to do it your own way. And I want to share this because this was super impactful. So I was having a chat with someone who just signed up for next year's 2022 version of Rise. We were talking about a couple different things, and she was like, you know i know this year there was a one-to-one component next year i saw that it's like quarterly one-to-ones and those are with your support coach i'm just curious about that shift and i'm like such an open book and i was like listen there's two real reasons for that um one is personal and one is business and on the personal side toby and i want to have another baby and are hoping that that baby will arrive at some point next year And I'm just really super being mindful and scaling back my one on one time. The business reason is we have really turn the focus from me, like making sure you're getting that kind of quality, being contingent on my one-on-one support and building in proactively so much more infrastructure, far more than we've done in any other year and other people to ensure that you're getting more than you're getting with me now, or that, you know, like the one-on-one component now, it was really beautiful because then she asked, she's like, what would happen if you went out on maternity leave next year. I was like, that's a beautiful question. Our support coaches would lead that through. And then we're going to tack on an additional four to six weeks at the back end. So you're actually getting like four to six weeks more. Anyway, she signed up. And when she signed up, she sent me this message and was like, I was in on the phone, but I just need to tell you that, Even she's she's like, I'm not a mom yet, but the way that you are doing this is so such an expander for me. Mm -hmm. And it was such a beautiful moment because there was a part of me that was like, are my clients going to be mad that I'm out on maternity leave or be mad that it's not me leading those calls? And it's like, it was such a validating moment of recognition to realize, no, that is an expander. The paradigm of needing to bleed ourselves dry, needing to run ourselves into the ground, needing to not give ourselves maternity leave, needing to like hustle and and be in this like toxic over delivery to feel worthy with our clients. Like that serves no one. The thing that is actually of service is modeling boundaries, modeling adaptability, modeling this way that honors the mother, like we are women empowering women. And when we take a stand for ourselves, they get the benefit of that in such an exponential way. So it's like, yes, permission to do it your own way, but it's not like all only that it's going to work out for you. It's like you are giving them a gift by modeling that.
0: I freaking men to that. Thank you for sharing that because I, you know, at some point we want to start a family and you are such an expander for me for that, because I I think so often about being women working with other women, our role and responsibility goes beyond just businesses that we're serving and, and serving in as women in a time where things are shifting in a time when we're deconstructing so many old archaic patriarchal beliefs and stories, and we're rewriting our own, I really believe we have such a responsibility to share and speak to how we're doing that and owning so many of those big leadership conversations. And essentially everything you've talked to today is embodying true leadership around going, I am a woman. I am birthing a baby. I'm honoring my body and I'm doing this my way because I also run a business. I'm also a boss and I get to be both. Mm-hmm. And even if it means eating salty crackers on a call, like <laughs> who fucking cares? Not your clients. They just want the insane advice that you could deliver in your sleep through muscle memory. I'm sure. So totally, I just love, love, love so much that you've shared all of that. And I just want to finish up on the I feel like we've kind of like, we've like removed Ella from the equation. We've gone back in time and now she's here. She's come into the world. Yes. Tell us now, gorgeous baby girl. (laughs) Tell us now about what business looks like. I'd love to know what is something that has surprised you that is better than you could have ever expected about being a mom and running your business. Mm -hmm. And what's been the most challenging thing that you've navigated?
1: Well, first of all, everybody says like, your heart is going to be exploded in ways you couldn't imagine. And I remember hearing that and being like, no, but like, I really love Toby or I really (laughs) love my mom. Or I like, I think I know what love is. Holy smokes. It is just like, It's insane. It, I am just, I am happier than I have ever been. Like there were of course challenging moments and I, you know, touch wood, I didn't experience postpartum depression. I've definitely had anxiety. I think I've had a little postpartum anxiety. You know, I think every mom does to a degree of like the first time you put them down and you're like, (gasps) is she breathing? And like getting your ear right up to, so I've been through that. But the thing that I thought was going to be impossible of like, how am I going to do both? Like You can have someone come in and help and watch your baby. And the thing that has really worked for us, I know different people do different things. So we have a full-time nanny. Well, kind of full-time. She's Monday through Thursday, full-time and Friday, works half days. And Ella is here and she's doing her thing. And I work from home. I have like this whole floor really down here on the bottom level. And she's like on the middle level of the house. And I go up multiple times a day and get to play with her and snuggle with her and like hang out in between calls. Sometimes our nanny, you know, comes down with Ella on her hip because I'm pumping and hand off the milk and I get to see her. So I thought I was like, I, it would either be a, I'm never going to be able to work and focus with Ella at home. And that's just not true. You find a good care provider and you're fine. Like, it's totally fine. I still do quite a lot of calls and I'm able to do both and it's totally okay. So that is surprising because I was like, no, 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 it's going to be impossible. I need to burn my business because I'm on zoom too much. And it's like, it's fine. You can do both. It's not a big deal. A challenge that I wasn't expecting is breastfeeding. Um, Breastfeeding is the most natural thing in the world. And it's the hardest thing. I mean, at one point when I was in the hospital with mastitis, I thought I was going to have to have surgery. Like I was like, I would rather go through labor again. It was that hard and horrible, but I did get through the other side. We're nearly 11 months in. I'm still pumping And it's just working. So feeding is a whole journey and I have so much love and respect for any mama who feeds her baby any which way, but that was a whole journey. But pumping has been a really beautiful choice for me and my family. And anyone listening to this, who's on a pumping journey and it's freaking hard, please reach out in my DMS. I'll send you some resources and just knowing that it's possible. I think a lot of women say like pumping is not sustainable. You can't do it. And that is absolutely true if that's the message that you're getting. But if you see other people, other women who have done that, it's so encouraging. So I know for me, that's been massive. So those are the things that I would say are kind of surprising. And yeah, it's just, it is honestly the best freaking thing in the world. And another surprising thing is how motivating it is. Like I look at her and I'm like, all of this is for you, baby girl. Like all of this is for you. And I'm a pretty motivated person anyway,
0: but it's just next level. I love that. That just gave me full body goosebumps. <laughs> Kate, you are amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation. Where, where can my peeps find you? you Ellie, uh,
1: Thank you coffee. so much for having me. It's so beautiful to connect with you and, and talk about this journey. I feel like I'm reliving it. It's so sweet. Yeah, I am on Instagram at Kate Scudder. Please say hi. I would love to know if you listen to this episode. I'm in my DMs. It's not my team. So you can always say hi there. I have a podcast as well that Ellie's going to be on in a couple weeks. I'm so excited to interview you, which is called Born to Rise. So if you just like type into Spotify, iTunes, Born to Rise podcast, you'll see me there. Where else? Yeah. My website, kate.co, C-A-I-T C-O. You can check out all the fun stuff there. So those are the best places.
0: So good. Thank you so much for this episode and sharing so generously and just being so incredibly open and vulnerable. It's the best. I so appreciate you.
1: Yeah. You too, love. Of course.